0: Hi everyone and it's another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast and once again I'm joined by Professor Paul Kenyon, Professor of Sheep Husbandry at Massey University. You may know him from such other podcasts as Hoggett Lambing and Early Weaning of Lambs. But today we're going to be talking about um, some high quality forages, herb and clover swards effectively. Um, We covered them in some detail in the early weaning podcast because they're important for the, the high feed quality. Today we're going to talk a wee bit more specifically about them and some of the agronomy type stuff. So look, um, welcome again Paul. And what are we talking about here with herb and clover swords? Maybe give us a wee bit of background of the, the research project at, at Masseona. It's been going on for a wee while. Why you guys got into it? What you were hoping to find or develop? So we got into it looking for a herbage mix that... Uh, would
1: allow animals, mainly sheep and cattle, to perform a, at a high level. and So it started off with actually uh, doing some preference tests. So we had a whole lot of different herbages that we allowed animals to select between. And we noticed two things, which, which we knew that would occur. Um, there are some herbages animals do or don't like, and also animals actually prefer a mix in their diet, just like we as humans prefer a mix and they actually select certain proportions of, of different feeds to meet their requirements. So um, that's the problem with the monoculture. Um, there'll be some animals within a flock or a herd that just don't like it, so you don't get the performance. You end up getting a wide spread of performance um, rather than a nice, even spread. So we, we want to look at a mix. So we, we did some various tests, and we came up with uh, two main mixes. One was around... Uh, chicory, plantain and a red and white clover mix or alternatively for those that aren't a fan of uh, chicory because of its nature and its seeding uh, ability to grow a large steam uh, just a plantain red and white clover mix.
0: Okay so, and the key component I think there you talk about high quality legume based forage because we have seen as you said chicory swords, plantain swords, plantain and chicory but the key element in there is having quite a high legume content.
1: That's right, having a high, high legume content. Um, we also did some work with um, animals on, say, pure swords of chicory or plantain versus those with a bit of clover. And with with the clover in there, because of the nature of the clover, the high digestibility, faster room and flow-through rate,
0: higher ME, etc., you get higher performance. Mm-hmm. And what about, so why not go the whole way though and just have pure clover swords, even if it's a mix of clovers? So the, the advantage of having the mix is not only is
1: the advantage point of view from the animals always uh, having something to select from, a mix. Uh-huh. Um, having the, the mix of plants, you actually have a plant or a different plant common dominating each season. Uh-huh. So the red and white clover, they grow at different times of the year. So sometimes the year the white clover dominates, and other times of the year it's the red clover. So you always have a high quality herbage there. And, and the same with, with the plantain or, or, or the chicory. They give you um, good growth during the dry periods due to the nature of their rooting system, um, so that gives you advantage as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So we are, I mean, um, the idea is we're trying to give animals what they want, they've shown us some preference trials and so on, but it's not always a free lunch, I mean these things have quite a dormant period over winter, we're, we're looking at, it's a certain time of year these really fit into the system.
1: That's right, so if you do the plantain, chicory, red and white clover mix, because of chicory's susceptibility to damage in the winter, you've probably got a two-month period there in the winter mm-hmm. when it's very wettest. You, you can't uh, utilise that herbage because if you do and the chicory gets damaged by treating damage, it allows uh, fungi and bacteria and, and and the plant will die. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem there is is that the max amount of chicory you'll get in your mix occurs the day you plant it. It doesn't regenerate. Yep. And so that's a bit of a problem. And even with the plantain, we would advocate having it um, a month off in winter.
0: Uh-huh. So the three or the two basic mixes you, the, there's plantain, white clover, red clover. I was yep. just going through the, the research work and looking, or plantain, chicory, white clover, and red clover. So a three species mix or a yep. four species mix. Other um, clovers, Any? have you looked at those, or would there be any reason to assume that um, some of the other clovers that are floating around may be useful, <laughs> given that most of the perennials. That's right. So, so so we went
1: with the, the permanent ones, because hopefully if you manage it right, and we know if you do manage it right, you can get five years or uh-huh. so out of it. So um, the annuals have specific management, um, which makes them difficult uh-huh. to fit in with the chicory and the plantain. Yep.
0: So again, th- that's what we're talking We're about a four or five year yep. option these things?
1: But there's no yeah. doubt, if you don't manage it appropriately, it'll be gone in two years. Yeah,
0: yep. all right. So let's say you manage them appropriately, and we will come back to appropriate manage later on, but let's have, have a talk first about some of the animal side of things. Um, animal preference trials, etc. this is what the animals are wanting to eat. What, um, how do you recommend they get used, and what sort of results we you seen? And this wasn't just for lambs, this was for cattle as well?
1: That's right. So if I talk about the cattle work, yep. um, for cattle up to 12 months of age, so post-weaning, mm-hmm. whether that's come off the mother, the traditional beef-cow situation, or those 100 kilo calves that may be coming out of the dairy industry, um, they grow a lot faster on these mixes com- in comparison to, a, say, either a, uh, a new ryegrass white clover or even a ryegrass white clover supplemented with a grain or, or uh-huh. a pellet. Okay. We, we still found they grew faster on these herbages, which is really important because, you know, if, if you're tr- saying doing a, a bull beef system, you want those animals out in 18 months. You don't uh-huh. want that second winter. And so these really allow the animals to grow well, from when you get them, um, say if you're getting them out of the dairy industry at the 100 kilos right through that autumn, early winter period. And so they're really set up and nice and heavy for when the spring does occur and they can really just go. Uh-huh. So this is, they've been really effective for that, for the, for that group of cattle. Uh, and sheep, we've, we've done a lot of work over a number of years for different classes of sheep. So um, they're a good feed to use post weaning in your poor condition used to uh-huh. get them up to condition. Um, you know, for you yep. ends up at weaning and she's down a condition score. She's going to need to recover seven to eight kilos. Now that's going to take if she grows hundred grams per day. You know that's going to take two and a half three months. Um, whereas we we know we can get them growing well over two hundred grams per day uh-huh. um, on these herbages. So it's an option to to put your poor condition use on before mating to get them up into good condition so you maximise ovulation rate and conception rate. They could be used over mating because. Because the red clove is only a, a small proportion, and uh-huh. we can talk about seeding rates later, you don't have to worry about the negative effects or the traditional old negative effects of red clove and its negative effect on reproductive performance because, A, the new, the new cultivars aren't like the old cultivars in the 70s and 80s, uh-huh. being negative, and as well as that, they're in a mix, so the effect is diluted out. Uh-huh. Um, so it could be used over, over mating as well. Um, they're a good feed um, to get your hoggets up to weight. You know. Many farmers who don't breed hoggets are mainly around their failure to get into that minimum of 40 kilos, uh-huh. early 40 kilos, which is really what you want um, by the 1st of May for a traditional breeder. And these are a good way of getting your hoggets up, up to weight uh-huh. um, so that they're the cycling. So we've done that work. And then a lot of the work's been done in uh, ewes during the lactation period. Depending on where you are in the country, either putting the ewes on at set stocking, say, Week 10 days before lambing, and the ewes remaining on there through lactation, and that's been shown to improve milk production of twin and triplet uh-huh. bearing ewes consistently by up to 40%. And in those type studies, uh, getting higher lamb survival and total weaning weights of the ewes up by, say, eight, eight kilos. Uh-huh. And another advantage is that the ewes are in better condition as well. Yep. So there's advantage there. We've done that with hoggets as well, um, lambing hoggets on those herbages, and that's been very effective. You now We've been shown there too, by lambing hoggets on, on those herbages, <coughs> to get weaning weights of excess of 30 kilos out of lambs out of hoggets and uh-huh. weaning at 70 days, which allows you to wean the hogget lambs pretty much on the same date as your mature use. Uh-huh. So that's really effective and it gets the hoggets ensuring they're uh, getting towards a good two tooth weight. And because these herbages grow so well in September, you're actually having a higher <laughs> stocking rate as well, that allows. Now, some environments in the country, when you go to set stock, you're mature ewes, those herbages aren't really coming away. Mm. So farmers so said, you know, not really suitable to them at that time. So we've done studies with uh, walking ewes and lambs on when the lambs are either quite mobile, three or four weeks of age, or around docking, mm-hmm. and that's been a good way of also increasing weaning weight. So you can actually walk ewes and lambs on uh, when they become quite mobile and have them on for that mid to late period of lactation as a means of improving uh, lamb growth rates and the weights of those ewes at weaning. I would say though, need to be careful if you do set stock onto those herbages. Don't uh overset stock because you don't want to have to remove the ewes and lambs off. Because of the way the calcium balance is, there can be a risk um, of removing ewes, especially around peak lactation. So when we talk about some negative effects later, we can touch on that as well. Okay. Um, and, and the main use uh, a lot of farmers use them for is finishing finishing lambs uh-huh. so we did a, a a study just we set up little finishing farms over a three-year period where we were finishing lambs on these herbages um, all year round except for a two-month period through July August because in our environment that's where they're wettest. Um, and we increased growth rates of weaned lambs or finishing lambs in all periods of the year and got high dressing out percentage as well. And over that three-year period, you know, farmers said to us, oh, that's very good, but there's two period, two months of the year, you're not finishing lambs, so maybe on a per hectare
0: mm-hmm.
1: annual basis, you're worse off, but we actually weren't. Mm-hmm. Because you could have higher stocking rates in that summer autumn, and they grew so much faster. Total carcass weight per hectare per year was up, even with not uh, grazing for two months in the winter.
0: Yeah, and I did, I did actually go through some of the papers and... and I know it's, yeah, it's hard to be precise because it varies around the country for all those reasons you've talked about, but you were talking... It was a significant increase, 10%, 12%, something like that. That's
1: right. Yeah, it's a yep. significant increase. Yeah. So we're, we're very confident um, for those people that finish a lot of lambs um, that these herbages can be very profitable.
0: Yep. yep. I should just note in, in that um, quite detailed discussion there, um, Paul used the term docking. For my South Island listeners, that means tailing, in case you're not aware, so i uh, explain. Um, but I... One thing I also wanted to pick up on there Paul, are they responding to air temperature, soil temperature or what's the, I mean in a given situation they do tend to be coming away a wee bit slower in the spring than uh, standard ryegrass pasture? Yeah just just slightly slower
1: because yep. just like any plant they respond to uh, soil temperature so they can be s- slightly slower. But when we talk about the management guidelines later on, because hopefully uh, best practice is not to graze too low, mm-hmm. um, you've got a good uh, stubble depth there, or, or mass or height, that, that they're ready to really come
0: away. So they okay. do come away very quickly once they start. Mm, but just, we'd expect a, what, a week slow? Yeah, yeah, a yeah, couple of weeks slow. A couple of weeks, yeah. All right. Um, so we sort of talked a bit there about the advantages in live weight gain and live weight per head, and... and um, some of the, the other things. So what one of the things you did talk about there too was for individual carcasses, you were yeah. seeing some impact. Um, is that for cattle as well as sheep? And what have you seen there? So we only did the work on, on cattle uh, mm-hmm. up to
1: 12 months of age, so we didn't slaughter any Okay. Um, because the aim here was to get them growing fast um, so they can allow for that you 18-month know, mm-hmm. killing if you're doing a bull beef type system. But in the sheep... Um, Two issues, well, not issues. Um, two things we noted. So dressing out percentage one to two percent higher, and that's because because it's a high quality feed, less uh, fibre. The rumen is smaller, mm-hmm. um, and so therefore the total weight yep.
0: of the animal is so it your your that's uh, live weight to carcass weight. Yeah. Not not meat on the carcass. It's live weight. Yep, to live weight. Yep. So slightly yeah. higher. Slightly yep. higher. Um, which
1: means you know we, when the lamb leaves your farm, it's got a higher value. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of the smaller rumen. Um,
0: or you can draft them at a slightly lower weight. Or you can
1: draft them at a slightly lower weight, there's another option. Um, they had slightly greater GR depths. Mm-hmm. However, they never got into the point w- when we're killing them within the normal live weight range that you're killing lambs, never got to the point where they were um, downgraded, so mm-hmm. it's not a problem. Uh, we did some meat quality tests. There, there was no difference in meat quality and there are no negative effects, but there are no positive
0: effects either. Okay, yep, but indistinguishable. So why. Um why the slight increase in gr fat cover what's the given they're growing fast and then the well year, but,
1: but because they're growing faster and if you have them on for the same length of time they ended up being two or three kilos heavier mm-hmm. okay so it's effective ah, being okay. heavier weight so yep. when you're adjusted for for live weight the gr is okay the yep. yeah so, so it's not it's just effective you know over a six-week period or four-week period they end up being heavier so Yeah, so naturally going to get that anyway
0: yep alrighty and so yeah all those pH colour eating tests etc there was no no issues attained no there, issues like that? excellent no issues that's good alright um, look we're working backwards here we we'll sort of work outcomes and live weight gain etc and we will get back to the agronomy how to make achieve all this but um, the key thing in all this and you've mentioned it at least a couple of times is around grazing management yep. um, how do you grow? You're not, you're not you need to change your management from how you would standard yeah, you know, graze your standard ryegrass white clover pastures. What's the What's the secret?
1: Yeah. So the secret is, firstly, you can't just dabble in it with one paddock mm-hmm. because you will end up with a situation. Animals go on it perform very well, but then you know they've taken a bit of time to adjust. Then they need to come off it because you've grazed it down. They have to go back on ryegrass white clover or, or whatever herbage you've got. Then then they've got to adjust to that. Then you've got to it comes away again. Then you've got to bring them back on and adjust. So you need enough to set up a rotation. Mm-hmm. So you need enough area, so that might be 20 hectares or so to start with. So get up a rotation because what you want to be doing is going and grazing around that 25-30 centimetres and coming out, definitely not grazing (coughs) below 7 centimetres. The optimum somewhere between 10 and 7 centimetres is your post-grazing height, which is really hard for farmers who have for years managed ryegrass, white clover, where you can really graze it low, yeah. and you know it recovers. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why we like a ryegrass-based sward, mm-hmm. because you can really hammer it. And so now you've got a herbage where you're looking at it, and you think, geez, that's green over, almost, over the autumn-summer period, and there's seven or so centimetres mm-hmm. in there. Surely I can graze it. Mm. If you do that, you will end up reducing the longevity of your yeah. sward, because the, the, the nature of those plants is they need to replenish their root system especially the chicory but also the plantain and if you're always uh, grazing it low it doesn't get time to replenish that root system before it has to come away again and so you'll kill the plant so from a plant perspective and from an animal performance perspective we say that minimum pasture mass in between seven or eight Mm centimeters that's to maintain the longevity of the plant so you get your five or so years out of it but also what that means is the intake of the animal is never limited.
0: Yeah, so and that's one of the key things is um, if you listen to the early weaning podcast we recorded with Paul, Adlib feeding's the target on these plants, yep, make, and, right. and which both means high intake but also a high level of selection. They can pick and choose what they want. Yep,
1: that's right. And and what you'll see, because the, if you're doing the three, so the plantain, red and white clover, or the four mix with a chicory, plantain, red and white clover, different seasons of the year, the different plants dominate too. Uh-huh. So what you actually look at does change over time. You know, some seasons it's a lot of red clover, some it's white, sometimes it's plantain. Depending on how dry your environment is, it might be more chicory. Uh So it does change. And so that that 7 to 10 centimetres is very important.
0: Um, But it's also an average. that won't be a nice even um, lawn 7 centimetres. Some parts are going to be quite a bit higher, some bits... Um, Is it okay if some... Parts of the paddock are lower than seven, or that's a minimum for any part of the paddock? No, the that's,
1: paddock. That, that's the average across. Across, yep. L- so. l- like any herbage, there'll be some patches where the animals just find it sweet or whatever, and they'll eat yep. more. And in certain seasons, we've done a lot of preference work. In the different seasons, they actually prefer different plants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while white clover is generally the most preferred plant, um, in some seasons, it might be red clover, in some seasons, they like a bit more chicory plantain. So, it does change. There must be something in the plants at different times of the years, the secondary compounds change. So, you will get that patch grazing. Um, so, don't worry about that. It's just the, the average across, this, oh. across the, the uh, herbage.
0: I think, and, and this is similar with lucerne in a way, this is what, something also for people to get their head around is they don't have a nice, neat paddock necessarily. It can be quite.
1: No. So we, we that's very important. We we had a farmer group that um this research project went for 4 years and we were lucky enough to have a farmer group of about 30 farmers involved who who came quarterly throughout that period and right at the start some of the farmers said look I don't really want this mix because it makes my paddock look messy and the <laughs> neighbors comment. Yeah. By the end of the period the farmers said I don't care I make more money. Yeah. Um so yes you do have to accept you will get some weed species in there you will get a bit of dock. Mm. You know? You might get some uh, thistles through there, and it m- won't look like, you know, your nice bowling green. Mm. But don't worry about that, because the animal fonts will, will be that much higher that you'll just have more money to spend.
0: And this is the same question I get more down our way with loosening that, but there's no point going in and mowing, top it just to tidy it up. That- well, the only time I, I would, some farmers like to, You know, and if you want to do that, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to hurt it.
1: It's no. not going to hurt it. Some people, especially around, if you have got the chicory mix, the main reason why we went to the mix without the chicory is because once a chicory has been through a winter and it's through vernalisation, second spring and third spring, etc., after that, it'll grow a large mm-hmm. flower head, and that can be, you know, up to a couple of metres, mm. and okay. so that puts a lot of farmers off. Now, with appropriate grazing, you can limit that, especially if you have cattle for a period. If not, then you might wish to top top it. But we generally manage it with grazing
0: management. Break it down. But that sort of brings me to the next thing I'd noted down to ask you about. Um, seven to 10 centimetres is ideal, not below seven on average. Um, yeah. Paddock might be a bit messy, but you really want to avoid them getting away and getting sort of over 30 centimetres of their that, that, That's mention? right, because with
1: any plant, once you get too high, um,
0: you get older leaves
1: which lose their quality, you get mature leaves which become more fibrous, um, which are which will reduce the overall quality of the herbage plus it take longer for the animals to digest and actually won't, don't like consuming it, especially young animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you want to keep it in, in, in that window.
0: And you talked um, about having a decent area so you can set up a rotation that's not going to work with just a one paddock or so on, you've got to be able to get in a system where they stay on that until they're at target live weights or slaughter or whatever. Um, the rotation length, What are we talking? What 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 were you guys finding in your work? So
1: so we did a lot of work with rotation, and around three weeks is optimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's optimum from <clears throat> keeping the herbage in that optimum height window for that you know that seven to ten to thirty centimeters. Plus also, if you graze more often than that, you actually start to negatively affect the longevity of some of the herbage. That the mm-hmm. chicory starts disappearing um etc so that's a combination of maximizing animal performance because the herbage is in good quality Mm -hmm. and also ensuring you get that longevity out of the mix because it's costing you a bit of money to put it in yeah and as we'll touch on later there's
0: a bit more extra fertilizer and spray you may be needed so you want to get your five years so the animals will presumably do well on a slightly faster rotation they're always getting a pick is it you're starting to drain the root reserves yeah yeah, that's right
1: that's right you're starting to drain the root reserve. So, so so, what you want is a situation a, a bit like the lucerne you know then the, the plant grows and then it, as it's growing it starts filling up its root um, because you think the, the chicory is like a carrot under the ground mm-hmm. you know you, you want a big thick carrot rather than a shriveled up looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we actually did our work we, we did the faster and, and uh, slower rotations and we actually dug up the plants and, and there's those on the faster rotation those every week or two weeks you clearly saw a smaller root, mm-hmm. uh, both in length and diameter, and also within a year, less plants per square metre, so mm-hmm. the plants were dying out. Yep.
0: Yep. That was definitely a So actually that, that reminds me of another point, talking about the roots, so you know, ryegrass, white clover, or grass clover mixes are like are popular in, in summer dry areas because one thing they will do at least is survive, or to some degree. Yep. Um, these things are shorter term, but how do they handle the dry? I mean, what's their water use efficiency? Are they, in terms of dry matter production, and it's obviously high quality dry matter, but in a, if it gets dry, do they shrivel up quickly? How do they persist?
1: Yeah, so, so both the plantain and the chicory have a deeper rooting system mm-hmm. than say a grass. Uh, the, the, it's definitely the, the chicory handles the dry better than the plantain. Mm-hmm. I mean, the plantain is still good, but because of the length of its tap root, it can cope mm. really well. Um, yep. However, just like any plant, if it gets extremely dry, um, mm. they can succumb.
0: Yep. yep. But all, all other things being equal, you'd, you'd have more feed, and obviously leave aside the quality of the feed for lambs or, or any stock on one of these in the start of a dry, then in a, a grass paddock.
1: Exactly. So, yep. yep.
0: Yep. Yep. So they are. They are good. Yep. So they're not just having to go on in the irrigated part of the farm or the winter right. country. Good soils, but um, which we're going to come to right now, I think. On, so, we've sold everybody on these, why they're um, working well and how to manage them well, but you've got to get them in, get them well established, etc. So, what's the paddock selection and that sort of thing? What do you do before you even sow and then what would you be looking for on your farmer? So, I so, so think it's a good idea and they want to do it? You know,
1: you're not going to get high performance out of a plant unless there's good nutrients in the soils. So it just doesn't come mm-hmm. for free. So, you have be making sure you've got a good oxen pea on, on your farm. Um, pH isn't such an issue like it is with lucerne. Um, So good Olsen P.
0: So same as for pasture, 20 plus? Yeah, 20 plus, Yep,
1: yep, you you, want to be in in that range. Um, Because of the potential for weed species and the limits you have in terms of the sprays you can use, Mm -hmm. a good cultivation um, is important. And and maybe you might have gone through uh whether say like a brassica first or something mm-hmm. so, so you've kind of limiting the weed species in there yep. so, so that can be a plan for some people as part of a pasture renewal mm-hmm. point of view um, so that's important and then uh, when you put them in um, ensuring you know we always put them in with um, potash super thirty mm-hmm. percent okay um, potash super so good uh, I mean. Amount of potassium and, and sulfur.
0: Mm-hmm. For, uh, do they have a high demand for it? Or? Yeah, because
1: cause they've got a high demand, but remember you're getting high animal performance. A so mm-hmm. lot's going off all yep. the time, so it's going off with the animals. Yep. As, you know, especially if okay. you're finishing lambs, it's going off with the animals. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to be um, replacing that. Yeah. And then doing your uh, your annual uh-huh. uh, maintenance. And because you're getting such high performance, your annual maintenance will be slightly higher. Uh-huh. Because again, you're getting high performance. Yeah. So it's going off with the animal. And some people you know, use that same fertilizer. Some people use like a, a, a crop master type mix uh-huh. as well because it's got a bit of nitrogen in. Um, yes, you've got the clovers in there, but the plantain and chicory are performing at a high level. So a couple of times a year, uh, we advocate, we use, and I know farmers do, say maybe twice a year, Lots of 30 kilos of nitrogen,
0: okay. In addition to an annual crop master application, yeah. If, if yep. you do, if
1: you're doing crop master, maybe only only, because got yep. nitrogen, only one other mm-hmm. uh lot of nitrogen. If you're not doing uh crop master, you're doing something like a potash super or super, mm-hmm. then two lots of yep, uh, nitrogen.
0: Yep, yep, and um, you, you sort of touched on it, pH similar to pasture yep. five, eight, six, yeah, that's there. right. Yep, yep, yep. yep. N- normal range. Um, and did you find, again, with a lot of product coming off an animal carcass weight, you were having to re-lime regularly? Um, over our five-year period that we
1: ran it, we didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it's like you think, there is, there is risk.
0: Yep. 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 Um, and you talked about cultivation, but I mean, could people still... With minimum tillage or direct drilling, still get the same effect if they yeah, went yeah, through a yeah. cro- year or two of cropping and double spraying. Yeah, and yep,
1: there. yep. You you can yep. still use direct drilling. Maybe use a slightly higher seeding rate. We can mm-hmm. talk more about seeding rates in a moment. Um, because with these, you want to ensure that you get a dense seed bed of what comes up to mm-hmm. limit the space for the weed species Weeds, because yep. of the. Your spraying options. Yep. So um, yep, no tillage, be fine, so, direct
0: drilling. So a year or two of a feed crop, brassica or something to let yep. some of that weed control, good sowing, rate. What, Um, Before we get on to sowing, right, what are some of the weeds that would be, that are a significant problem and if you can deal with them in the year or two before you sow?
1: Yeah, so for, mm-hmm. for us the, the main issues we had here were, were around docks mm-hmm. and, and around the thistle species. Yep. Yep. The, they're the main
0: ones. Any particular thistle or thistles generally are... Uh,
1: Yeah, Kelly's can be a problem, Um, and normal Scotch in Mm. our environment here in the Manimal too, and other environments have different thistles, but yeah, they are a problem. So um, getting a a dense seed bear is important there, and then of course, if if they do become a problem, um, that's where some people uh, use a weed wiper. Mm. The other weed, which farmers don't think about, is grass. Okay. Because grass becomes the weed, and grass becomes your number one problem. Mm Uh-huh. Because grass, uh grass, or poa, anua, uh-huh. they'll grow in winter.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: Chicory won't grow in uh-huh. winter. The clovers don't grow a lot in the cold and winter. Uh-huh. And the plantain has slow growth. So the grass takes over and starts choking the other species uh-huh. out. So um, every couple of years, uh, one thing you want to think about is going through and spraying out the grass with something like glant. Okay. Or, or, glant, or ultra glant. So that's um, safe to use. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 glant is is a safe product to use mm-hmm. to go through and um,
0: knock out grasses. Knock yep. out the grasses. Yep. yep. But and whereas thistles,
1: thistles yep. we were people that do have thistles. That you know they're doing weed wipe with weed yep. wiping
0: or something like Roundup, etc. Yep. Yeah. There's no. There'll be nothing that you could use in that mix safely.
1: Not, no not. Gonna oh. be very careful. Yes. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the other thing is if you've got, um, in terms of. When they're coming away, we always talk about making sure using your plantain is a good um, indicator species. Mm-hmm. If you're going to graze early or if you did have a weed problem, you know, spray early, make sure there's at least five uh, leaves on that plantain. Mm-hmm. So that's a good indicator that things are ready to graze or, or spray, f- so five leaves on the plantain. So sowing rates? So sowing rates, we would advocate and now a very high sowing rate now that's not because I work for a seed company <laughs> that's because you want to get a a, a dense bed that doesn't uh-huh. allow space for uh, weeds to come through and remember if you're going to choose the the chicory mix the max amount of chicory you'll ever get in it is the day it comes up Okay, okay. chicory does not re-sow plantain uh-huh. will I mean plantain seems to seed most months of the yeah. year um, so it, it can re-establish, um, but chicory will not. So we use quite high s- uh-huh. sowing rates. So in a chicory, plantain, uh, red and white clover mix, we're using uh, six each of plantain and chicory, four of white clover and um, six of red clover. So yeah, that's it's quite high.
0: 22 kilos of seed, all that. Yep,
1: yep. it's quite high. Um, and so in a, in a, if you haven't got the, the chicory mix, um, around the six to eight kilos of plantain four of white six uh-huh. of red yep. and the other thing is if you are doing cultivation ensure that the person who's doing the cultivation doesn't put the seed in too deep they're very uh-huh. small seeds and uh-huh. where, where there's a lot of crop failure it's where they uh, put the seed in too deep sunk it right into the sunk it right vein, in and yeah. just doesn't it doesn't come up so you need to be very careful of that and definitely talk about your with your mm-hmm. uh, person that's doing your cultivation, your contractor, et cetera, about ensuring it's uh, shallow.
0: Yeah, so it was just, uh, it's not uh, roller drill or broadcast in your environment, you were conventional drill? Yep, yep. conventional
1: drill and then going over with a roller. Yep. Yep. yep, okay. But a
0: direct drill would work, but you'd recommend for a direct drill, a higher rate to again try and... Yeah, potentially, yeah. yeah, yeah, higher rate, yep. Okay. So, and then you talked about, um, once it's in, up it comes, five plantain leaves for first grazing's the ideal sort of yep. time.
1: Yeah, because, if you graze too early, you can kill the plants and they can also be pulled out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And ongoing annual maintenance, weeds, particularly grass might be your issue, but we should be all, all attention to detail beforehand and afterwards about five years is what you're expecting. From. Yep,
1: yep. We, we, we had no problem here in the Manama 2 um, with a combination of keeping those rotation going minimum three mm-hmm. weeks, not grazing below that 7 to 10 mm-hmm. centimetres and giving it that spell in the winter mm-hmm. a couple of months for the mix that has the chicory and maybe a month the mix that has the, the plantain yep
0: okay so we talked about what you can achieve with them we talked about how to get them in place here um what are some of the issues animal health issues is there anything in particular you need to focus on anything that's unusual or specific to these crops no so we we've there is no specific uh,
1: animal health problems, you know, you look like you might get with some of the other uh, pure swords. Um but your animal health needs to be correct. You know, it's no use having a high quality, high octane feed mm-hmm. if the animal's got underlying health issues. Mm-hmm. Whether that's internal parasite control, so you're normal, making sure the drenched going on the first time and keeping your regular program, which you know might be a twenty eight day program of a, mm-hmm. effective drench, making sure there's no mineral de- deficiencies. Yep. Because um, you want those animals ready to go, and the mineral deficiencies are not about the plant; it's about what is the issues for that soil type and whatever environment mm-hmm. you're in. The only uh, issue we've had, and that is noted, is in these mixes, is the risk of that calcium imbalance in peak lactation from removing the use off, off it.
0: Okay, so it's not the it's not the the mix sword itself. It's when they go back onto. Uh, I've back it?
1: into under grass, but, but because of the way plantain uh, interacts with uh, calcium met- okay. metabolism, that can be a problem. So you have to be aware if you're going to lamb on it, don't overstock it because uh-huh. you run the risk of running out of feed and, and walking those ewes off. You'd be better to slightly understock it and walk on extra ewes uh-huh. if needed once the ewes right. and lambs are mobile. Now, if you're going to use this feed to get uh, lamb weights up to later, say, weaned slightly earlier, uh-huh. so maybe, you know, around the 70 to 60, 70 days of age, we haven't had a problem with calcium imbalance yep. then. Okay. But it's, it's, it's when it's earlier, around yep. the peak.
0: So that's for the ewes coming off it possibly, but what about animals going onto it, is there a transition process you'd recommend? Yep, yep. So the, the, the transition
1: does not need to be as long as say going to a pure brassica uh-huh. sward or, or any other pure plant because there is a mix, you know, and the animals will be adapted to eating clover. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the adaption period is, is much of anything when you're adapting a feed is, is so they don't get a rumen upset uh-huh. because, they, you know, there's millions and millions of bacteria in the rumen and the different mix and there's different different types, lots of different types, and the certain bacteria like certain herbages. So some bacteria dominate with a given herbage and others with a different herbage. So. If you have the wrong mix, they get a sore stomach mm-hmm. or rumen, and so they reduce your intake. But by having the mix, you don't get such a um, issue. So, slowly introducing it over, over four or five days we've found it's been effective.
0: Yep, yep, yep. But we we talk, you know, the whole point of these is to have a high quality legume dominant uh, sward, and so legume dominant. You're talking sixty, seventy percent of the. Yep, yep, yep. Sixty to seventy percent dominant. Um, any problems with the cattle with bloat or anything like that on? That no, amount we, of legume,
1: we have never found that a bloat okay. issue with our with our cattle. Um, whether that's because in the mix there's less of it, whether it's because some of the new cultivars mm-hmm. cultivars aren't so uh, associated with bloating, yep. but we've never had a problem. We've kept an eye on it. Having said that, we still put some of the uh, bloat uh, treatment in the trough, okay. just as yep. safety, insurance. best practice, insurance. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I would also say that you know. Some farmers would say, why would I go to these mixes when I can get 300 grams per day out of a pure sward at night? Some of the brassicas, mm-hmm. some of the leafy turnips. Yep. And that's true, you can. But when we've done a lot of work and done a lot of individual animal work, and we've compared the mixes with, say, a pure leafy turnip, pasture hunter mm-hmm. type thing, the average growth rates haven't been that different. Mm-hmm. And so farmers would say, well, why would I bother? There's all this extra extra pain and in running these mixes, but when you actually look at the individual growth rates of the lambs, what you find, yes on a pure sward of say something like a hunter or a pasture, you can get 300 grams per day, but you'll get a group of lambs at around the 50, 100 grams Mm. per day, they just don't like it because they don't like the feed, where when you've done the mix and we've done a whole lot of individual animals, you'll get, you know, 90% 90% of the animals within that small range mm-hmm. of being plus or minus 50 grams per day okay. of that 300 grams per day. So they're right there. So it's with, with, with any lamb finishing uh, system, what makes you the money is, is, is not the average growth rate, is, is having no slow-growing right. lambs. Yeah. And so in a mix, because there's something in there for everyone you just don't get those lambs growing at the 100 or 150 mm. grams per day 150 grams per day, they're always all growing because you know, some of them yep. for some reason may not like chicory but they like clover or, or vice versa Yeah,
0: versus so, being on a monoculture Yeah, and so, no so, you get,
1: so you get yeah. quite a, a small band of lambs all growing fast, you yeah. don't get any of those slow ones. And one of the
0: other things, and it's obvious when you think about it but I didn't pick up until you told me about it when we did the early weaning podcast, those forage brassicas aren't ready as early in the spring,
1: no, no that's right. Anyway, so, so b- you, because so it's a permanent sward, it's it's there. Yeah. So, so often people are, um, if they're going to use alternative summer autumn uh, herbages they're not going to be there in spring.
0: Yeah. So the the forage brassicas do work. This has just got some extra options to it. The. That's right. The that's right.
1: And 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 for many farmers, uh, at the start we talked about all the different classes of livestock. Depending on their farming system, they'll use different classes of livestock different times mm-hmm. of year, and use this feed to. Leviate whatever their Achilles heel is for that season.
0: Yep. Cool. So um, one other thing, though, and this isn't necessarily specific to these swords, but it's just to high-performance, high-growing animals. Clostridial vaccines will need to be pretty. That's thorough. right. Yep.
1: yep. Yep. You run the risk with any animals growing fast. Some of the clostridial problems. So ensuring uh, that's up to date. You know, if you're buying in lambs, make you know if you're not sure about that, mm. um, and certainly in, ensure. Uh, that you covered there. Yeah.
0: Again, it's like with the the brassicas, the lucerns and things. It's not inherent to the, the crop itself. It's a cost of high performance effectively in the animals.
1: That, that's right. Yeah. That's
0: right. Okay. All right. Um, one other little animal health thing I just want, and you did touch on it a wee bit there that it's not such, you know, people hear red clover in particular yeah. and they immediately think of estrogen for whatever reason. That may have been a bit of research that was done 50 years ago, but um, I know certainly people worry a wee bit about ewe lambs in particular on some high clover mixes or or a high proportion of red clover because they're still growing and developing. Whether they, are like You haven't seen any of that sort of... No, we've thing? seen
1: no evidence of uh, negative long-term effects by putting, you, say, you hoggets on it from mm-hmm. when they're weaned through to when they're bred. Um, we've followed animals through and then they subsequently lambed and we followed them through as the tutus. Mm-hmm. We, we saw no negative effects by having the mix in terms of, say, what your scanning results might mm-hmm. be or your pregnancy rates or... Lamb winning weights, mm-hmm. uh, we, we saw saw no problem.
0: So you may not be out, but this is a, just associated that. Um, is it true that you lamb you lamb teat length is an indicator of the level of oestrogen in there? If they're on a, a lucerne or a red clover or something like that, are you likely to? I have heard this, and just wondering whether it's a, yeah, there, there's something to it.
1: There is some old evidence to suggest that those high estrogenic plants will affect the teat yep. length and teat size. Um, on pure swords. And there was some work done in the 70s and 80s. Okay, That is correct. Okay.
0: Interesting. Now, I have heard some people say they keep an eye on it. They reckon they saw a teat length development in the ewe lambs. Particularly, I, I guess, probably more in Lucerne where we tend to see a pure sword and there can be okay. some issues. But um, there you go. I didn't <coughs> actually mean to end, to wrap up on an esoteric point like that. But that sort of comes through the, the various things I want to tick off. You've got some notes of them that yeah, we so, missed,
1: Paul? Yeah. So your different seed companies will have their different cultivars So, um, of all those plants. So work with whoever your seed provider is to ensure you get the right cultivars that you want um, and get the right mix of red and white clovers for the different uh-huh. uh, seasons. And certainly work with whoever gives you advice to re for the various uh-huh. um, issues you may have, um, whether that's a, a grass issue or a weed species issue. Yep. In terms of a, you know a dock, a thistle. And then th- they can help you not only with the appropriate time to spray, um, because you want to be spraying when those... If, if you do have a weed, whether it's uh, grass or dock, thistle, et cetera, at the appropriate time so that those weeds will take it up mm-hmm. so they um, die, and also in terms of what particular spray you should use for the issue you've got, depending on your uh, mix and what the weed is, a- and also... If you do want to, to um, control those height, it's, you, know, you need to think about whether you're best to do that via topping um, in terms of some of those taller weeds or or spraying. Yep.
0: So certainly work with them. It's the old, like all of these things where we're trying to, to squeeze a wee bit more out of it, it's the old 6P's, isn't it? Prior planning prevents pretty poor performance. Some people use another word there for the fourth one. But It's the same here, there's no shortcuts. It, no, these things will pay off, but you've got to put the time and money in first to get them going
1: that's right and and look, um I'll also advocate is is what we found you know we started off with, with forty farmers that were were not all of them were interested in it by the end of the project they all were and pretty much all had it in, but we actually asked them um, they were involved for four years what are the, what other interaction they've had with other farmers, and those forty farmers over a two year period. Because we are, we got them to write them down, lists of names, et cetera. Interacted with another three hundred farmers that run uh-huh. them and asked them questions. So, you know, don't be afraid also to not only talk with those um, your seed rep or your firm uh-huh. rep or or your uh, advisor around sprays, et cetera, but talk to other farmers uh-huh. um, that that use these mixes. You know, especially in your environment. You know, what are some of the other? There might be some issues around the location. Um, so. You know, learning off other farmers is a very good way to get it right as well. And, and you know, learn from, they'll tell you their mistakes, learn yep. from those and, and you'll more quickly get it correct.
0: Yep. And that's where this podcast fits in as well. A chance to hear from Paul. We can't get him to everywhere in the country, although I know he tries pretty hard. But um, we often put, and you and I were actually talking about this, um, in the blurb for the podcast, links to any further information. But at the moment, there's not a lot of information available, online or available. No, there's not a lot of information. But however, a lot of the... Um,
1: Seed companies yep. ha- have their own information, um, and some of the seed companies have their own uh, mixes and their own uh-huh. seed rates as well. So th- they'll better provide you with that as well. Okay.
0: Yep. And it sounds like you and I might have to have a talk offline about another contract to do, or we fact sheet or something. So, anyway, is there anything else we want to cover before we wrap up? No. Not. All right. No, look, good. I actually, Paul and I, when we caught up this morning and I said, I think this one will be a wee bit shorter because it's quite a specific topic, but I'm looking at the time and it's actually gone a wee bit longer than the one we recorded on early weaning, which I thought was fairly detailed and involved. So I will wrap it up there. Um, thank you very much, Paul, for your time covering all these things. Professor of Sheep Husbandry at Massey University, but I think uh, um, a lot of people that are listening to this will have met Paul, particularly through some of his Hoggett lambing work. So. Again, we plug, go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't. And by the time this one is live, the early weaning podcast with Paul will be up as well. And I can thoroughly recommend that. But um, for now, we've come to the end of the time. So, Paul, thank you very much. Thank you.